One thing that's true for all moms, we have a lot of stories to tell. Some are silly, some are gross, some bring us to tears. With each story that's shared, another mom feels less alone. So join us as we laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the I'm Mom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the I'm Mom Podcast. I'm Abby and Chloe, Susan, and Megan are here again. And this week we're talking about kids socializing through screens. I was talking with one of our um, colleagues, Natasha, and her son just turned 12 and wanted a phone for his birthday. And they got him a phone and they made him sign iMom's cell phone contract. And I was like, yes, way to use our printables. But then shortly after they gave him the phone, he requested social media. And she said they declined. But a few days after that, he came to them in a suit <laughs> with his iPad and a presentation on why he should be allowed <laughs> to have Snapchat. That's so cute. Yeah, yeah. And so she said he proceeded to like present his case with a slideshow and how it would help him connect with friends. And her immediate response was, well, that's why we got you the phone was because you could text or call. Like that is connecting with friends. But apparently, you know, that's not quite enough. And she said after a little more Q&A, they agreed to discuss it, but they didn't make any promises. And then eventually they did allow him to have it. He um, had to let her follow him or whatever it is on Snapchat. But within, I, I, I don't know the amount of time, but she made it sound like it was very short. She said they took it away. Mm. And I asked why. And she said, we just saw how easy it was for him to be distracted and spend way too much time on it, just kind of snapping nonsense to friends. But it was it, it was interesting that as soon as he had the phone, he wanted more social media. He wanted more ways to connect. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today is like, how do you navigate limiting screen time, keeping your kids safe when screens, whether it's through social media like um, well, not Facebook, but Instagram or Snapchat <laughs> or TikTok, um, whether it's through that or online gaming or just texting and, and talking, I suppose. Like, how do you find the balance between limiting that and then allowing them to still connect with people? And that's how a lot of kids connect these days. So that's kind of what I wanted to chat about with you ladies. Um, do you think that every parent, every generation of parents has had the same concern? Not specifically about your kid being on social media, but like, I remember my mom saying, you're on the phone too much. Mm. You now you girls are always mm -hmm. talking on the phone. Like, do you think that there's always going to be this change in communication and kids wanting to do the newest thing and parents struggling with it? Yeah, I think the thing that's always been a struggle, no matter what generation, is your kids having too much exposure to other kids. Because again, there's there's healthy preoccupation with your peers and there's an unhealthy preoccupation with your peers. And so, you know, it, I think it was easier in the past because when they came home, they came home. Um, as they get older, there's more and more of that, you know, they play sports. So they go from school interacting all day to sports or extracurricular activities, interacting with their peers, and then they come home. But it's younger now because of social media. They don't have to even be involved in something to interact with other kids. They can do it right from their bedroom. And I think the other thing is, is that like, let's say Snapchat, so much of it isn't really connecting with people. It's watching what everyone's then going to talk about the next day. Mm. 
I think that's true. I think that it's wanting to know, wanting to be wanting to be part of the conversation, even if you are not actually participating in the conversation. Wanting to be in the know, even if you're not um, talking about it. You know what I'm saying? Chloe? Snapchat's a little more direct than like uh, TikTok, Instagram, where you're scrolling. You're not scrolling on Snapchat as much as you are. Sure, having a one-on-one conversation. But do you think that's true about TikTok? Though, like that you you want to be on social media, even if you're not socializing, but it enables you to know what's going oh, on. Yeah, yeah. And I think to Natasha's point, you know, whether it's Snapchat or TikTok, whatever you're using the app for, it really gives an avenue to not be present wherever you physically are. Mm-hmm. You're you're in five different places. You're in five different conversations with different people. Yeah. Yeah. And the plethora of content is so distracting. It's whether so it's distracting. Your friend talking or whether you're watching what everybody else is watching because it's gone viral. Well, and like it, it's just um, you know, there's this really funny TikTok audio where it has a bunch of popular audios playing at the exact same time. And it's like very annoying and chaotic, but it's like, this is what my brain's like. And it is because you hear the same sounds over and over and over again and it clouds your brain like it really does um it just kind of limits you from having an organic thought Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that what you just said about clouding your brain I I it worries it worries me that we don't really know exactly how all these things are affecting our brains it's all so new exactly and our kids are using it so much but I mean it does go beyond social media though too texting and online gaming and everything like that but Megan when you were when did you get your first phone you were 15 I was 16 when I could drive that's when I got a phone did you text with friends or what Yes, but it was hard because one texting, you didn't have an unlimited plan. So I had a limited number of texts I could send. And then also I had the type of phone where you had to hit the key three times to get the letter you needed. So we didn't text a whole lot (laughs) because it was expensive and it took forever, but that tells you how old I am. Take us back, Megan. What kind of phone was it? Oh, my first phone was the slide up one, not the cool kick. Not the, what was it? The sidekick. sidekick. That you like, not that. I had the one that like slid up. Oh, I like <laughs> Which it. Which was not cool. No one had that phone. I think it was just the cheapest phone that my parents could get me. Isn't it funny how we all <laughs> like, adapted though, like to the, that hitting the button three times to get a letter, it seems so inconvenient, but we got really good at it. Yeah. You know, you're oh, yeah, really I was, fast. I'm surprised I don't have carpal tunnel. I mean, I could hit that right. thing so fast. Right. That's funny. So do you think that there that there was any type of socialization for you through that? Or were you real, really still doing the traditional stuff? I mean, maybe some, like if a guy wanted to get out of like having to call you or something like that, maybe you'd get a text. But I just feel like we did a lot of calling um, still. I mean, I'm old. That's just it's a lot of calling, a lot of talking at school, talking in the hallway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe some texts, but not a lot. So here's a thought that kind of blew me away. I want to run it by you guys. It's from um, the book. It's complicated. The social lives of networked teens. The author Dana Boyd says teenagers would love to socialize face to face with their friends, but adult society won't let them. Teens aren't addicted to social media. They're addicted to each other. They're not allowed to hang out the way you and I did. So they've moved it online. So what they're saying is, we as parents have become so um, protective, I guess, over our kids. We mm-hmm. don't let them ride their bike over to someone's house or hang out, do whatever. We've become so protective that kids are finding 
a way to socialize. I have a, a controversial theory that kind of um, is conflicting with that. Maybe some of it is the security aspect, but if we were really concerned about the security aspect, I think people would open their eyes to what social media is. I feel like kind of we've gotten a little bit lazy. Yeah. Um, and like people don't want to have to have kids over to play or entertain them or keep up with them or whatever it might be. Um, Cause it is a lot of work and it's a lot of, a lot of work on them. And I think people are really busy. So maybe it's not necessarily laziness, but more busyness. Um, people have stuff going on all the time and I think it's exhausting and more people are working. And um, so I don't, know if I buy the whole, you know, we won't let them ride their bikes to each other's house because it's a safety. Yeah, that might be, that might skew a little younger than we're talking about. But that that is an interesting thought, Megan. And I, I appreciate that because I had that thought the other day, like I haven't been bored in so long. Like I really crave boredom Mm -hmm. and I, I mean, again, like I'm, you know, I I don't have uh, kids of that age yet, but I just, I, I don't know. My, I guess my thought is like to your what you're saying, Megan. Of like we've gotten lazy. Like, is the antidote us just kind of going the extra mile to provide face to face opportunities? Opportunities, yeah, yeah. Because if you want to protect your kids, the answer might be driving them to that friend's house and then coming and picking them up at ten o'clock when mm-hmm. you're ready for them to come home. Not saying. No, you can't go at all. I, I was driving by, I was driving home the other night. It was kind of late. It was like probably 1030. And I went by um, the grocery store. Like I drove by the grocery store and there were cars of teenagers in the parking lot, like four pickup trucks. And like some kids were standing in the bed of the truck and everyone was talking and stuff. And I kind of like found comfort in it. I was like, that's mm-hmm. how I used to hang out. We would find the McDonald's <laughs> parking lot and hang out in the McDonald's parking lot. And then I saw a police officer pull into the lot. And I was kind of hoping I'm like, I hope he's just checking in on them and going, kids, how you doing? Yeah. Everyone okay? Be careful. Um, but I thought, are people or police or whoever going to see that and say, break it up? And then, but then could they all have been sitting in their cars, TikTok, sending TikTok videos to each other, you know, like kind of to support what this author is saying? Are we being so anti uh, you know, loitering or whatever the, the specific problem is that we're forcing our kids to move their socialization online? Mm. Or is that just being overdramatic? Is that making something out of nothing? Mm, that's, yeah. I just don't think that kids like hang out the way that we used to because oh, yeah. they're in, afraid of getting in trouble. Right? Or their parents are afraid of them getting in trouble. Yeah, I, I do. I do sense that there's a lot more anxiety about the safety of children. And that's probably justified because of everything that we see in the news. Uh, At the same time, I think more families have two income producing parents. So there's is a lot less time to socialize that to, to spend time on your kids socializing. Like I remember we had a lot of kids and we'd say, Nope, you can have a play date this weekend and you can have a play date next weekend when they're younger, before they're driving. At the same time, I do think social media drives this aspect for kids that they have to be doing something when in fact, if they just played at home with their siblings or you know, played outside or whatever, that's really what they should be doing. That downtime, sometimes it's just okay to, to play in the backyard by yourself. Um, now for the older kids, is it okay for them to be home reading a good book, studying or something 
and not interacting all the time. There's such pressure to interact all the time. Yeah. And to not to not be left out or to always be part of the conversation and to mm-hmm. know what's did, going on. Did you feel that, Megan? Because I felt that I, when I was, you know, middle school, high school, I felt a very, I had so much, if I wasn't doing something like on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I felt like I'm a loser. Oh yeah. I, I definitely felt like that. And I didn't even have social media then. I didn't well, get really yeah. social media till like kind of the end of college. But I'm such an extrovert and such a social person that, yeah, if I didn't have plans on Friday or Saturday or even during the day, even now, I have this problem now. <laughs> I feel like I have to have social stuff every weekend. And my husband will be like, oh, we have one weekend where we don't have anything. Yes. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> got to figure something <laughs> out. Let's plan something. That's so interesting because I do remember in high school, at least like a Friday night or a Saturday night feeling like there is something going on Mm. and I don't know about it. But that was before we had social media or phones. And so you were just kind of at the mercy of who you could call on your house phone and figure out like what the plan. And I don't know how we even did that. Like I'm thinking back, I'm like, that's why I never did anything because I couldn't figure out what was going on. You got to coordinate with all the people in the house because you share a phone. (laughs) Exactly. Right. We didn't have other lines. I remember vividly picking up the house phone and calling like, a bunch of people would be like, you want to come over? You can come swim in our pool on like Friday night and have pizza. And I would just like tell people and tell them what time, like verbally, literally yeah. have to either see them at school and tell them or have to pick up the phone and call them on their house phone. Or how about when you want to call one of your friends and you hit the on button and you can hear your mom on it and you're like, oh man, I got to wait till my mom's yeah. off the phone. <laughs> oh my, my dad, we had four kids. My dad literally had one of those timers, you know, <laughs> and we were only allowed to talk for three minutes wow, until wow. the timer was out because, because if he tried to call my mom and we, one of us was on the phone and it was busy, remember it would just ring busy, uh-huh. busy, busy. He would get so mad. So we had a timer. That's why you're such a fast talker, Susan. Say, <laughs> learn to be Is that it? Yeah, patient. that's it. <laughs> Do any of you have experience either as a kid or as a parent with the pressure that parents feel to allow teens to use apps and phones and tech because they because you don't want your child to be left out? Like, um, obviously, Chloe and Megan, you don't have that experience as parents. But, um, you know, like my my friend, her son, she was just telling me the other day, her son was struggling in math or in, in some subject and she wanted to take his phone away, but she didn't necessarily like want to take away all of his, the, the way that he socialized. She said it wasn't, I didn't feel like he should be punished in that way. Um, but taking the phone away in essence, to- cut off his his access to Uh his friends and the way that they typically typically socialize. So it's kind of like, you know, how do you take away the phone, but not take away their friends? You take away the phone. Yeah. You take away the phone. I had somebody look at me one time and they say, what do you mean? You have total control. Unplug the charger. Just, you can, all these things you can unplug, whether it's the video games, the telephone, they see their friends nine hours a day in school. That is socialization right there. And really, does a child, even a a young teenager, need that much more? There's the weekend for that. Give them their phone on the weekend then. Mm -hmm. But really, school, all their energy should pretty much be used up by the end of the school day or whatever activity they have after Mm -hmm. that. And if it's not, and they're in high school, then they should be studying if they want to go to college or something, because if they're taking AP classes, they're extremely hard. So I just feel like we, we have created this. Oh, it's the way they socialize. You forget. I don't know if you've ever substitute taught or anything, or if you're a teacher, perhaps you can relate. 
these kids are talking all day. I mean, they are in the hall five minutes to 10 minutes in between every class at lunch before school. They are finding ways to talk. And half the time, the teachers don't even, not half the time, but often the teachers, they have socialization time even within the classroom. Mm, So they get a lot. You make a good point. I think that we've allowed friendship and and that social time to become an idol for our kids in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. like we have made it a prior, like a top priority mm-hmm. where maybe when they get home, it does need to be family and downtime and boredom. Is it because we want them to be well-liked? Probably. Yeah. Or we're afraid of what will happen if they don't have those friends. I think it yeah. just depends on your personality. Like what's driving that in you? Gosh, I remember in high school, like, texting my friends and not hearing back from them and just being like, guess they probably got their phone taken away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's very confident of you. I appreciate that. (laughs) So talking about online video games, I know that that's definitely something that um, our, our fatherhood program, All Pro Dad, they have a lot of conversations about that, about kids socializing through video games, because it does tend to be like a father son or a father daughter thing a little bit more often. But um, for a lot of kids, video games are the way that they yeah. hang out with friends. Here are some statistics from Pew Research. Nearly a quarter of teens in the survey report that they would give a new friend their gaming handle as their contact information. Nearly 9 in 10 boys who play online games say they talk to their friends while playing. So not only are kids making friends online, they're virtual friends, but they're also using online gaming as a way to connect with kids that they meet in real life. Mm. So I, and I think I kind of struggle a little bit with the online gaming stuff because it feels kind of hidden in a way, you know, like if they have headphones on and stuff like that, it feels a little bit like, um, you, you can't monitor what's happening. Um, yeah. But then I think there's workarounds for that. You know, you can make them not use headphones and then you can hear the conversations. You can, you can intervene on some of those conversations if you want, but what do you, um, Susan, did any of your boys play online games? They did. They did. And, but they didn't, we didn't get the live. So they weren't playing. They were, they had to have a friend over to play. Now I will say, you know, I've, I've seen some kids play live and I know BJ's son connects with kids that they used to live near that they don't live near anymore. BJ works for us. Um, and it's a great thing. I think it's a game and games can be fun, especially if they're not playing a game that's particularly violent or whatever. So first you got to look at the game itself. Is it healthy to play? Then you have to say how much time, again, the minute you see it become an idol, like they want to spend five hours a day, 35 hours a week doing, it's too much. They have to be outside. And that's what I think. What is the balance in all of this? If you have a child who's 15 and they are living for their phone and monitoring everything, stalking every person they know and listening to every conversation and how you've done it. It's just too much. So it's, it's all about how do we have balance, whether they're playing a game or talking to someone, is it crossing into the line of obsessive? Mm-hmm. What do you think? You know, just if you have a child who's a little bit um, shy or socially awkward and being and socializing through technology, mm-hmm. whether it's an online game or social media is a little, a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, do you think it perpetuates the problem? I think you're asking if a certain type of person is more, child is more likely to love this. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Is it, is it, is it, 
is it allowing a a child who doesn't feel comfortable socializing in person? Does it allow oh, them gotcha. to continue to kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Reach not, out to other kids without having to be face to face. Yeah, and I'm not saying you should force a child to do something that's uncomfortable, but also, yeah, you need to, you know, come on, kid, get out there, give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. I think again. You have to know your child. I have a, a son who's very much an introvert and didn't do any social media, still really doesn't. And, you know, had great, really good friends that he was comfortable with. And that was it. Did not do the whole popular thing. Did not have the plans that Megan had, for sure. Um, but, <laughs> you know, he grew up then. And as his confidence grew what, or whatever it was, he has become more extroverted in a way that's comfortable for him. Some of this is the development of the child and the type of the person they are. I don't know if having social media would help or become more of a crutch right? Um, that they never then, that they rely on and, and then they can't look anybody in the eye when they're you know 20 years old because they've been re- relying on the social media crutch or texting people versus having a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think we really have to know our child and make sure that we're putting boundaries and that we're giving a child access to things that are in a healthy way for them to experiment and try and not go crazy with. Yeah. In the book, Growing Up Social, the writers, they they reminded parents when it comes to like pushing your child out of their comfort zone, you're not trying to turn a shy child into an extrovert. You're just trying to help them relax around Mm -hmm. others and connect through meaningful in-person relationships. So the goal is not to change the child. It's to, like you said, Susan, help them to be comfortable making eye contact or asking a question of somebody, you know, having a, even a short conversation. So you don't have to change who they are, Mm. but yeah. So what takeaways can we give to a mom who's struggling to find this balance between limiting tech and allowing her child to be social? I think getting back to the mindset of this is not your child's phone, it's your phone because you pay for it. It's your phone. You're just letting your child use it. I think that's a, a good first start. And then Knowing that, you know, our phone, we're not servants to our phone. Our, our phones serve us. So, like, putting technology back in its place. I'd say, too, and, and I know that I am going to struggle with this as, an, as a parent because I am such an extrovert and so social that I will always want my kids to be included and well-liked. But one thing that I think back to in my childhood, we didn't have cable all growing up. So I never was like if all the kids were at school and we're talking about the latest Disney movie or Disney show, I literally had zero clue what they were talking about because we didn't have cable. Me too, man. And it was okay. I mean, I didn't love that. I didn't love not being in the know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't the end of the world. And so if they are like excluded for something for, for a little bit because they don't have their phone and they're not up on the latest topic or gossip or whatever it might be, it's okay. Like they're going to survive and they'll end up catching up. Um, and it's, it's just okay for them to not have it. I know easier said than done. Cause I know this is something like, I'm going to I feel like I'm going to be like your friend, Abby, if my kids get in trouble and I have to take away their phone, I'm going to feel really bad. If your friend has friends who are excluding them because they don't, you know, know the latest show or they're not on the latest trend or whatever, they're not good friends. They should be their friend because of who they are. So it's, I mean, again, Megan, I agree with you. I, I think I'm going to struggle with it a lot more than, you know, but it's just a, I'm just, that's something. No, I think these are what you just said is one of those moments 
where your child can grow in character yeah. in like a safe guarded environment that you're you're there to kind of walk them through. It's one of those times that all right, well you're not going to like this, but this is helping you grow. This is making you stronger. And and I think it's good discipline for as you get older and you become an adult to be able to say, okay, I'm going to put my phone down for the next, you know, eight hours so I can knock something out or whatever it might be. Um, because I feel like, because I didn't grow up with a phone, I didn't get one till I was six. Well, I got one when I was 16, but I didn't grow up with social media and all the distractions we have now. Um, sometimes I catch myself having to like discipline myself yeah. to focus, um, because it's just super easy to get distracted. So it's better that they learn to have that discipline at an early age than later on. I think Susan, anything you want to add? Yeah, I I do see that we are becoming increasingly desirous of feeling like we have to give our children everything, Mm. whether it's, you know, access to social media or the latest, greatest phone or, uh, and that's just not, that's not great parenting. It, you know, all what we really should be focused on is, you know, relationship, loving our kids well, making sure they're balanced, making sure they're healthy and spending as much, as much time as we can with them. Um, and, and not it's them being with their friends is not the, the greatest thing they're, they're in development and there's so much that developing that goes on amongst peers that just isn't always the best thing. Right. And I think if we want them to change, we have to be willing to also change. So these things that we're trying to do, whether it's limiting evening time on phones or contacting friends after hours, that means that we're going to have to engage with them more. And so we might have to put Mm -hmm. our phones away. We might have to step away from work or, you know, sometimes it's going to be inconvenient for mom and dad. And the word inconvenient feels wrong because these are our children and this is time spent with our children. So it's not that it's inconvenient, but it's, it's work. Yeah. Parenting is work. All right. So here's your hypocritical moment of the day. We would love to (laughs) socialize with you. Uh, Find us on Instagram, imom.com and definitely um, engage with us in this post. Mm, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the iMom podcast. iMom is the motherhood program of the nonprofit organization Family First. Along with our fatherhood program, All Pro Dad, we exist to help you love your family well. Subscribe to our daily email, the iMom Minute, by going to imom.com slash subscribe and get tons of great ideas, insight, and inspiration. The iMom podcast is hosted by me, Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal.